Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guests, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professional. Today, I am here with Catherine Sayer, the CEO of Food South Australia. Catherine has been with Food SA since its inception in 2010. Food SA is the peak body for the food and beverage industry in South Australia. It works in partnership with the government of South Australia to support the growth and development of South Australia's food and beverage industry, including showcasing products and businesses to local, national and international markets. Catherine also works closely with members of the Food South Australia Board to advocate for the industry. Today I'm here with Catherine Sayer. Hi Catherine. Hi Amanda, how are you? I'm well and thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity because I always like talking about food. (laughs) Well, who doesn't? It's one of my favourite topics as well. As I mentioned, Catherine is the CEO of Food SA. So can you tell us in broad terms, what are the main roles of Food SA? Well, it has a bit of a history. So um, two associations merged in 2010 to become Food SA. So um, that was a a quite a big step and that's 10 years ago. And there's actually no other association like us, a peak body in any other state. So prior to Food SA being the two associations used to have a lot to do with government. And so that relationship has continued and we work very much in partnership with government, but we're very much industry led as well. So mm-hmm. um, we're a peak food and beverage industry body um, and we deliver programs to help our industry grow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good um, goal to have. And um What kind of programs do you offer to your industry members? So we basically break it up into three strategic pillars. So it's all about growing. So it's growing markets, growing capability and capacity Mm -hmm. and growing connections. So really everything we do sits under one of those strategic pillars, often actually could sit under a couple of them. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, In terms of the programs you offer, do the members join a program that interests them or do you lead them or how does it We do a bit of both. So basically we've had the the, luxury or fortunate, whatever, we've been very lucky that over the last 10 years we keep asking our industry what they want Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of programs. So maybe one of the more recent ones that we're running currently is the Business Growth Program and that really – works well for startup businesses and sort of the micro to small businesses to give them that sort of direction as to where to next for them. Right. Um, around, and it's all around, you know, finance and risk. It's all around sure. markets and, and building that capability and, and distribution. So 
that one works really well because we have um, we've evolved that over the last couple of years, and so it's got a panel of experts that sit every three months with this group and give them or individual businesses and yeah. give them homework to do. <laughs> oh, that sounds great because I imagine smallish startups don't have the capacity for a marketing department, for example. Or, no departments, yeah, they're it, they're it, mm-hmm. and they they may not even know what to do, which is why they come to you. Obviously. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's that's one example, um, and we do a lot of international work. Um, Uh, We have an office in Japan and China. So for our bigger members who want to get into those markets in particular, Mm -hmm. we help them through our our overseas offices and um, we do international trade shows as well. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So I've never been to a trade show. I've heard all about them because I have friends in the wine industry. So can you tell us a bit about what does someone do at a trade show? Well... Preparation is key, mm-hmm. follow-up is key, right. and the bit in the middle is to present yourself the best way you possibly can. So, for example, um, as a South Australian or as the, the body in South Australia, we really believe that international markets identify with Australia rather than the individual states. So in China, we've really taken the lead to develop a truly Australian pavilion, which is really quite large now uh, Mm. in Shanghai every May. And so we not only work with South Australian businesses, but with um, interstate businesses to come in under that one banner. So what we do is we work with Austrade in market and mm-hmm. our office in market just to um, make sure we get key buyers to come along to the show so they can actually be hosted at our stand, understand what products are on offer. And then it's up to – so we, we build the connection uh, yeah. piece and then it's up to the business, individual business to do their selling. Yeah, and to – provide the quality product absolutely yeah okay do you host dinners and things like that we do a little bit um i think they can be okay Mm. but i think it's actually really that it's all about selling ultimately so you know the dinners and breakfasts or whatever else that happen are good uh, but often that's very many to many as opposed yeah, to that sure. one-on-one discussion. So that adds value, but it's not the main game. Right. Okay. Do you have any examples of some successes of um, a business attending a trade show? Sure. And the really interesting thing about trade shows is everyone wants to measure the outcome immediately. And what we find is short occasionally people do actually sign business up and, mm-hmm. and, and around the trade show time. But other times it's a year down the track of those discussions. And, you know, we get so excited when we hear about, you know, a container load of something going to somewhere. (laughs) And um, so so there's actually there is genuine business written um, as a result of trade shows. But that's you've got to do the follow up. You've got to build the relationship. Yeah. And then you can get the outcome. And I guess you also need the scale, don't you? Yeah, you You do from an export point of view. You might small business and have to scale up. Yeah, and but I think it's also interesting because it's not always the big buyers as well. So mm-hmm. um, we, uh, next year we'll be in Singapore, in Tokyo, and in Shanghai, and scale is certainly pretty key in China. But those other two markets have got quite niche opportunities right. as well. So to be a successful exporter doesn't necessarily mean you need to be big. You just okay. need to be good. And you need to have a good product and be quite commercial. You need a lot of patience Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of a deep pocket too because it is an investment until you get the results. But there's, you don't have to be the very large company to be successful in export. And it's also a really good opportunity to diversify too. So 
we've got quite an interesting dynamic in Australia in our supermarket space where we've got Coles and Woolworths that certainly dominate the landscape. Mm -hmm. So to get that level, and we're very lucky in South Australia to have the independence to have the Foodland and Drakes. Um, But so, so therefore what has to happen is you go, well, if we really want to grow, uh, we need to look outside Australia with 26 million people and a predominance of two re- retailers. Yeah, so, that yeah. makes sense. And is there, do people brand differently to sell overseas to appeal to a different market or is that? That's a really good question. I think often what I find is we think that our overseas markets, whether they be in Asia or in the UAE or, or America or whatever, um, we've got a great product and they would want it. So that's not necessarily the case. And we've got a couple of other programs that we're running around export to really look at sort of packaging and flavor profile, product development stuff that actually is more about really knowing what the market wants. Now there's two elements to that. Obviously there's expats, um, but so, so they're, they're um, relatively easy market to Mm. sell to because they're looking for things that are familiar. And then there's, um, the sort of market that looks for Western food, but there's also that very much um, the local flavour that they look for as well. So there's a lot of different parts to that. Yeah, I just thought of that because um, I spoke to a man who works in the wine industry who said that they market their wines in the UK under names that they would never use in Australia. Yep, yep. Know, beyond the stump wine or whatever they, <laughs> they might call it. Yeah. So it's the same product, just appealing to a different uh, market. I think the wine industry probably does that a bit more than our food mm. industry does. I mean, the the IP protection and, and all those sorts of things sometimes limit you from actually having your own brand overseas. And also not only limits, but is an opportunity that you can, um, if you run into trouble around trademarks or copyright, mm. those sorts of things, which, you know, China is a country that file to file first uh, country so if you've missed out on protecting your brand you might be better off creating a new brand yeah. uh, for a, a new market yeah well that's interesting because i'm sure a lot of um startups or smaller companies wouldn't even think of that necessarily it's one of the biggest traps mm. we see where people get into awful trouble having not actually done their um well, background probably work background work and, mm. and basic stuff yeah. if you're looking to export. But not only, not only then, because we do an internet or we do a trade show in Australia every year, which is probably the biggest trade show in – well, it is the biggest trade show in Australia and internationals come to that. Mm-hmm. Now, the minute you actually get your product off your – uh, out of your premises, you're subject to uh, all these problems. And if you haven't got it all sorted before you start going to trade shows anywhere or even supermarket shelves, you're at risk. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. So it's more there's more behind the scenes than meets the eye to the average consumer. Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah, mm. no, indeed. And if we could just jump back a little bit, I want to know a bit about how you arrived at the role of CEO of Food SA. Did have you always worked in the food industry? No, no. I My background, I've got a marketing degree, a Bachelor of Business majoring in marketing, which I've got to say I did eons ago. <laughs> um, did the sort of traditional stuff back in our day where you're a graduate. Um, I worked for National Mutual, which doesn't even exist anymore, uh, as on the graduate program. Mm-hmm. Moved to Melbourne, uh, moved back to Adelaide, and after a little while back in Adelaide, decided that I would do some consulting work. So that was really around marketing comms and events. And one of my clients was one of those associations that I was talking oh, about I before, mm-hmm. which is probably about 
oh, probably about 18 or so years ago, I started doing some work for Flavor SA. Then when Flavor SA and Food Adelaide merged, those two associations, uh, to become Food SA, I helped manage the governance around all of mm-hmm. that because I had done the AICD course and sat on a few boards and really enjoyed that. And then quite unexpectedly, from my point of view, the new board said, well, would you like to lead it? And I kind of went gulp. <laughs> oh, That's going back to a non-consulting role of not flexibility although when you're consulting you don't have flexibility no, you just sure work you really hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so i thought about it and i thought well the difference between being a consultant and actually being the ceo is you've got all the responsibility whereas a consultant you just sort of help with bits and pieces but you yeah. don't actually own anything so for the nearly last 10 years since 2010 i've been the ceo and i absolutely love it and we started with there were three of us in the office and uh, plus the overseas offices have always been there since I've been in charge. And um, yeah, now we've got 13, not, wow. not all FTEs, but we've got 13 in our office here and the overseas offices. Oh, and that's great. I mean, it's obvious to me that you love it. You're obviously passionate about food and I love it. Yeah. And, and, and we've been, I suppose I've had always had a great board and, you know, so I report to a board, which yep. is an industry board and, They've given me the latitude to grow it the way that I think our members want us mm-hmm. to grow. And also, you know, we, we do partner with government. So it's about having that stakeholder management yeah. is key to everything. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, in terms of membership, can any company join? Sure. Yeah. So food and beverage um, yeah. and that basically any beverages except for wine. So there's a, an association in wine as well here, which is very strong. Um, and it could be a startup business, but we've also, I mean, our members, we've got San Remo and Bickford's and Thomas yeah, Foods and Berenberg and all, all the na- Hayes, all the names that people identify with. And we're very grateful to those businesses because I think ultimately they're the mentors for many of our other members and to have their support as members mm. really means a lot to us. Well, they, uh, many of them would remember what it was like, I guess, to yeah. be startups or, or, although some of those ones you specifically mentioned are generations old now, aren't they? Yes, but some of them are not as many generations as you think. I mean, certainly Coopers is another one of our members. They're generational generational business. But um, the way that San Remo and Bickford's in particular have grown, it's really been this generation that's grown it from quite small to very big. Well, Bickford's in my memory, has always been around. It has, it has. Um, And I guess it was a much smaller operation. Very small. One or two key products. That's right, the Lime Cordial. Mm. Uh, Now I I can't imagine actually how many products that they've got on on the shelves around Mm. the world. It's oh, grown that's significantly. Great. Yeah, so that's and that's a family owned business. It is still? privately yeah. owned. And mm. that that's actually a really good question because we're probably very different to other states in this way as well, where largely our industry is privately owned, yep. family owned. Um and we don't have the the multinationals that are in, you know, owned by overseas interests. Yeah, well that's something that I think perhaps sets the South Australian food industry apart. I mean, it's just such a vibrant industry and people travel to South Australia to taste some of that. And they should do more and more of it. (laughs) So I was reading on your website that the um, food and beverage industry contributes, I think, 19.7 billion to the gross state product. It does. It's a a big industry. Mm. And and, I mean, that does cover agribusiness. So um, it's also some of the primary production. But I think the great opportunity is we have great primary produce 
and we can value add that as well. And um, it's, it's a great thing for our industry. So what are some of the standout um, producers, do you think, like the really well-known ones that other people may have heard of, like Hague's you've mentioned? Well, or? Hague's won the Consumer Award yes. at our Food Awards dinner on Friday yes, night. Yes, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, what about Berenberg? Berenberg. They? So they're a fantastic story yeah. and um, that's a generational business mm. and, and still family-owned and um, – you know, I think when you go overseas and you're in a hotel somewhere in the world or on a plane going somewhere in the world and there's that little jar of yes. Berenberg jam or sauce <laughs> or whatever, it's it's pretty impressive. I think it's amazing. And I love the way they've – I don't know when they did it. Maybe it was a few years ago. They rebranded everything. They did. Mm. Um, I, yeah, it is a problem. Maybe even five years ago yeah. now. Um I must say, I said to the owner, you are brave. And um, he didn't necessarily think it was brave because quite rightly he'd done a lot, or they had done a lot of research. And, you know, I, I kind of, and it was actually the South Australian market that resisted it the most. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it was interesting because I think we we're all a bit conservative here. So Yeah, and it's been around for so long. And we knew it. You see, the yeah. interesting thing was in interstate and overseas markets, they thought it was a German product because it had that little hut oh, yes. as the label. And it was green and looked quite European or Germanic even. Mm. And... Um, so a lot of people didn't uh, – South Australians, of course, knew, but those interstate and overseas didn't actually know it was a South Australian business or even an Australian business. Oh, right. But now I suspect they do. I reckon they yeah. do. Yeah. So if we can – you mentioned the awards dinner. So can you tell us a bit about that? So uh, first of all, what is it? Who goes? And then what are some of the prizes? So uh, we, on Friday night, had the 21st gala dinner for the South Australian Premier's Food and Beverage Industry Awards, which is fantastic. And 21 years ago, uh, it was actually run by government. And so for quite some years, and I suppose it's probably about our seventh year that we have, uh, it's transitioned out of a government delivery to Food SA. Mm -hmm. And then we had a really good look at it. And, and it, this is, even though the party and the gala dinner is absolutely fabulous, it's actually about continuous improvement as well. So what we do is we have an independent chair of judges. There's an entry process. Then judges do site visits mm -hmm. uh, after they've actually had a, a bit of a shortlist developed. And then ultimately there's finalists and winners. So after the event, which I'll get to in a minute, we then do basically we do a Hall of Fame breakfast. Yeah. Now that's led by our Hall of Famers and, you know, San Remo and Bickfords and Coopers are all part of that as well as a, a number of others. And it's peer, they, the, the Hall of Famers sit at a table and the people that attend can just ask them questions about how they've done it. We interview whoever the Hall of Fame is of, of that particular yeah. year. And it's just it's that's fantastic and then we so so it's kind of it's not just the party oh and then we do a best practice tour so we pick some of the winners and we have a get a bus and we oh, drive people around great. for a day in our industry to really get behind the scenes to learn about why yeah. why were they winners what is so good about so them so there's information sharing going absolutely. on as well absolutely mm. so that's great but we were really thrilled on friday night we had our record crowd of 740 that people it's incredible is it is it like the red carpet event for pretty the well food the, industry. I, 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 well in yeah. fact i think it's the best party in town is how Sounds we're coining like it i want to go <laughs> well it's it's really fabulous and um, you know we're very fortunate the premier attends we have um, ministers and, and etc but 
the majority of people that come are industry. Yeah. And one of the things of having an association like ours is is the network. And yeah. so you belong to a community and everyone loves being part of that community. And it's fantastic because the buzz in the room from the minute people arrived to the minute they left was really ex- was really happy yeah, and sounds exciting. fantastic. Yeah. And so in terms of some of the prizes, let's talk about some of the major winners. So, so we don't actually give prizes. The pri- oh. the prize in itself is actually being a winner. Yes, so, fair enough. So, uh, actually, and that's not quite true. We do give lovely certificates and or, and also trophies and stuff, which yeah. are dotted around all of Adelaide. But um, maybe one of the one of the really exciting ones is the Hall of Fame because mm. that is judged by peers. So so that means a lot. It really does. Yeah. When you think about who the other Hall of Famers are, yeah. uh, we all – I'm the only non-Hall of Famer that goes and sits with them all as they deliberate who they're going to induct into their wow. community. And uh, Barossa Fine Foods won it this year. Yeah, a worthy winner, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. And the lovely thing about that, that's, again, another family business, mm. was two of the, the boys, the current generation who are running it, were up there and they were truly – overwhelmed oh, really and and alex canole made a beautiful speech and that really set the tone for the night to be yeah. perfectly honest and that's sponsored by san remo so you know you've got morris crotty up there who's bringing someone into that hall of fame which yeah. is brilliant that is great so Perhaps for our listeners who don't know, can you tell us what Barossa Fine Foods produce? Well, small goods. So they're Mm. a German heritage. So they're really known for their small goods, but they have a number of retail outlets. So they have a factory out out north and they make the majority or make all their products uh, that have that very German and European uh, feel to it. But then they're also a butcher. So they make or they sell meats and Mm. other things that are, um, more on that butcher side. So it's the small goods and the butchery. And it sort of, I think, has an association with high quality. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And they've done a rebrand as well, interestingly. They have, and it looks great, yep. in my opinion. Yep, I, I agree. And, yeah. again, that was a big step for them to do. I mean, it must be expensive for a company to do that. Yeah, it's certainly not yeah. cheap. Yeah, so you want to make sure you've got it right. And it really requires research as well. Mm. So some of the other award winners were... Ashton Valley Fresh or yep. Cerevolo Orchards. Yep. They they cleaned they up. They scooped the pool. They cleaned <laughs> up last year as well. So they're a fabulous story because there's um, Tony and Sandra, Sandra Sheravolo. So Tony's father started the business. Tony and Sandra have worked in the business. Joyce, and Joyce, um, who's their daughter, won the Next Generation Award last year. Oh. Tony won the Leader Award last year. And Joseph, who's Joyce's brother, won the Next Generation Award this year. So um, I don't think they're going to be allowed to enter next year because <laughs> they really um, – oh, they're, they're a class act. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So they are um, fresh – Fruit producers, is that they right? They do fresh fruit. They also do um, beverages. So Ashton Valley oh, right. Fresh yes. um, is one of their brands that they do. So they, they've, yeah, pr- they've, they've got the fruit side of things, um, fresh fruit, but also the processing of the um, beverages. Wow, and they're just up in the Adelaide Hills. They are. So not far from us. And then um, Old Coopers is in there for Innovative Business Award. Yep. So they're yeah they're a stalwart in the Australian uh, South Australian beverage industry. Absolutely. Mm. And then I one I've never heard of. You can perhaps tell me a bit about them is 
MexX. Well, I can tell you a lot about MexX if you really want to know. Uh, MexX used to be a business, or was a business that used to call themselves Mexican Express. And basically they have evolved their business. They used to have retail packs of Mexican foods and Mm -hmm. and sauces, etc. And now they're really what we would call an industrial manufacturer. Okay. And so their specialty has always been in dairy, but it's broadened out to other sources. And they've got this amazing bit of equipment, which I believe is the only kind in the Southern Hemisphere, where it's what's called aseptic packaging. Mm -hmm. So basically it's preservative free. Uh, they don't do meat products, but it's all sort of sauces, you know, tomato sauces, yeah. dairy sauces, etc. Um, and they supply some of the big multinationals, but the shelf life of this product is quite significant. Yeah, and the fact that it's high, a long shelf life and without preservatives yeah. is a really, I mean, Ian Young uh, started the business oh, probably more than 20 years ago. And he's in fact our vice chair at Food SA. Oh, okay. Um, but the way he is, he is such an entrepreneur and such yeah, an innovator. That's, that's using technology yep. to its maximum. And risk and yeah. risk, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's a few partners in the business, uh, but Ian's really driven the innovation side of things and uh, I'm sure had many sleepless nights. Yes. So it kind of makes sense to me then that I haven't heard of them because they're, they're more supplying. B2B, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's good. And then what do you think it is about South Australia that makes it such a, um, an excellent environment for food production? Do you think it's the environment itself, the immigration we've had over the years? or I think it's a bit of everything, yeah. both of those. I think um, we are really lucky with the, you know, I, I don't really like the whole concept of clean green because I don't think that really differentiates anymore. But mm. we have, we do have clean soils, we have clean air, and we have clean waters. And yeah. and interestingly, if you're talking seafood, for example, there's not much. Well, there's nothing between us and the and you know the South Pole basically. And yeah. the cold waters gives a different texture and flavour to seafood than you get in more tropical waters. So I think we've got some specialties that really differentiate ourselves. Um, So we've got that Mediterranean climate and we've got really clever people that make great food. Yeah, and we've had um, over the years waves of immigration from um, cultures with um, excellent food history like Italians yep. and Greeks and we're seeing more African food coming in now. Yeah, the Vietnamese food, the, yeah, Chinese, Chinese food. It, it's um, Indian. You know, yeah, we, Indian, we, we've got just about everything now. Yeah, and have. And I think Australia is like that. But I think South Australia, if you think back in terms of some of those amazing restaurants 20, 30 years ago with people like Anne Oliver and, and Chong Lu and Genevieve yeah, Harris and, and of course, Maggie Beer. Maggie Beer. Um, mm. You know, they were pioneers and terribly creative. Mm. Uh, so but they worked with great produce. Yeah, I think that's probably the key, isn't it? Great yeah. produce. Yeah. And just um, on a quicker side, I've just been in Nepal and I was in Kathmandu and fascinating place, but it is so polluted. Yeah. I just yearned to be home, you know, and just think, thinking of the soil and the air and everything – that our producers have here to work with. They're that we really take lucky. for granted yeah. in some respects. I mean, pollution, oh, I've seen terrible pollution in, you oh, know. In China you oh, would have China and sure. India as well. Yeah. Um, 
where I just think, how does anyone actually live in this every day? Yeah. And 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 I must say, when we have um, buyers from China come, often if I meet them at the airport, they just stare at the sky. Yeah, they cannot believe they, how blue it is. They don't see it. That's right. <laughs> Having lived in Hong Kong for a long time, a blue sky is unfortunately quite rare. Yeah, absolutely. And even more so in mainland China. Yeah, yeah. So, no, we're very lucky. We are. Um, and this is a well-being podcast, so let's talk about food and well-being. So just from your own um, point of view, what do you think the benefits are of eating sort of local and seasonal produce? Well, there's nothing like see, seasonality is is key. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fresh, um, and but it's interesting. Consumers expect things all year round, so there's they a real do. contradiction in terms of expectations and what what people sort of fantasise about mm. almost. Um, so seasonality and fresh is great, and um, it tastes better, so much better. And yeah. and you know, it's been interesting. Maybe I think it's probably 11 years ago now the Wollonga Farmers Market started. And I remember at the time people were saying, farmers markets, they're not going to last. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and, and look at how we as consumers have embraced them, love yes. them. And that is basically from the farmer to you. And, and so I think farmers markets have been great from an educational point of view for consumers Dare I say it, I think MasterChef has been amazing because food was never on primetime television until MasterChef started. And whilst um, I suppose the products or or what people make on MasterChef is not uh, necessarily all good for you, (laughs) it's that whole um, people actually understand food a whole lot better now than they did before it reached primetime television. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, those food shows are a dime a dozen now, oh, but that absolutely. was really the, probably the pioneering it's, one. It was the thing that started, I think, in Australia. I mean, Jamie Oliver had probably been going for a while, Nigel and Lawson and yeah. others, but but I think in Australia, this is this was 7 o'clock on primetime television. And also it was sort of in, quotes, ordinary people. It was, yes. Yeah. They're not I so mean, ordinary now. You no, look at them I now mean, and you think, amazing. my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that, that's a really good point. Um, and the other thing I think about that is that um, about seasonal produce is that it, it's better for you because it's not stored in a cold room for months. Absolutely. It's fresh. It, it doesn't lose all its vitamin content. Yep. Um, yep. And it, ta- it just tastes better, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a really interesting trend that we're seeing too in terms of um, – you know, that functional food concept, um, eat, eating what is actually good for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, even this, the the um, the vegan, and it's not a fad, the vegan um, evolution uh, is, is interesting. It's also interesting all the different diets people go yeah, on. Look, and I, I follow all of that really closely because I'm very interested in it. Um, and I think people can become a bit tribal sometimes yeah. to their own detriment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as my grandmother used to say, everything in moderation. And yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. But but what I think is interesting is consumers are much, much more aware now of nutrition and what's good for them uh, and all those sorts of things. So. Yeah, there's a there's a heightened awareness about food. Absolutely. So what is, what are some of the trends you've seen? Is it sort of this? Well, oh. this vegan meat, for example, yeah, is yeah. the thing that's hitting everywhere now. Yeah. Um, and 
You know, again, it comes back to my point before about preservatives and other things, mm. and I'm not suggesting that vegan food is full of preservatives, but you've actually got to be really careful about thinking you're eating for something that's better for you than it actually is. Do you know what? I so agree with you there because I think, um, I mean, I tend to eat a mainly plant-based diet, um, but a lot of foods that are marketed to people like me, like there'll be these gloopy sort of, sweet things full of syrups and whatnot i think why don't i just have an apple and a handful of almonds yeah from yeah Wollonga? yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so i think you know you can get a bit caught up in all of that stuff and just you need to take a step back and just eat unadulted yep. fresh food yep yep absolutely yeah mm. And then um, the other thing about um, food and well-being, I think, and I think South Australia does this really well, is creating a culture around um, sharing food together. Yep. Um, yep. We have some brilliant restaurants here, don't we? And there's a lot of um, – I've noticed a trend personally. There's a lot of sort of shared style of eating now that's quite popular. Very rarely will I even personally go out and not share. Yeah. Um so I, I like that because you get a bit of a taste of everything uh, and it's food. And, and this is also interesting in terms of some of the work around healthy ageing and, and older people. Yeah, Food actually brings community together. It does. And I think we, we're going to see more of that kind of focus, I think, over the next few years where, you know, there's not a lot of fun being on your own, eating on your own. Um, but if you're actually in a community, again, in a community or, or in a group of people where it might only be once a week or whatever, mm. you share food and that's where the conversation and the social yeah. element comes, I think is, it, it. well, I don't think it is absolutely an yeah. important issue. It's a joy, isn't it, yeah. to share food? I yeah. love having people for dinner. And also there's community gardens that are growing yep. up. Yes. Yeah, there's, as you said, there is such a huge interest in food and understanding more about how it impacts our health. Absolutely. So I think that's a good thing. And beverages as well. You know, there's a lot of um, interesting changes, some of them probably more marketing-based than health-based necessarily. But th there are certainly some health drinks that, uh, again, we didn't really think about all that long ago. Now, there's one that won um, an award that does the... Um, they do the smoothies. Naked blends. Naked blends, yes. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't heard of them either. But well, that's that, an that, interesting concept. Yeah, it is actually. And that's a reasonably young business as well. Mm. So they've really been innovative and um, they're going for it. Right. So what they make is a, a smoothie in a, a container that can be put straight into your Nutribullet or whatever. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So it's all there. It's all fresh. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I think another thing that we're seeing is um, – Ways for people to have a healthy diet whilst also being time pressed. So products like that yep. fit into that. And that's the and that's a really interesting point too, because the ready to eat category where you might buy your pastas already mm. made or, or other things um, off the supermarket shelf, some of them have a, a real health focus as well. Yeah, and uh, 20 years ago, you'd sort of think that was a microwave dinner and it yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't be healthy, but there's been a huge growth in that industry. There has, yeah, mm. absolutely. And so um, just to finish up, Catherine, can you tell us if you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being? What would they be? They don't have to be food-related. They could be anything. Well, I think exercise mm -hmm. every day which I'm guilty of not doing every day, but I do, I have a real focus on that. I think that's really important. And there is no doubt that eating well, yeah. um, 
with local products in particular yeah. uh, is is key as well. So, yeah, exercise, eat and socialise. Eat local. <laughs> oh, and just I, I know I said that was a final question, but the other thing that um, Food SA does is you have the Eat Local campaign. We do. So can you just tell me a bit sure. about that one? So that that's actually been really interesting. So we introduced that in 2012 because what I found was when I, I had this one very unfortunate situation where I was with a journalist from Sydney and we were in a country town, which will remain nameless, <laughs> and um, – we went to the local pub for dinner and, of course, it had, you know, let's call it Charlie's Special uh, Calamari. Well, that calamari, as it turns out, came from Indonesia oh, and, right. the, and and Charlie's Prawns came from Vietnam, I think. And I'm like, really? You can't have a hero. I, there's nothing wrong with those products, but... If you're going to promote it as your local dish, yeah, you can't. It can't. It's got to be local. So yeah, that sort of. And it was quite embarrassing with this journalist as well. It's like, oh dear. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we we talked about it internally, and we came up with this concept of, um, particularly in regional restaurants, to have at least one main dish that was of local content. So mm. whether it's a, a meat or a pasta or seafood, whatever it is. Uh, but local and so we really have pushed that out for a number of years and we've got great venues who um, have that eat local sign yeah. um, but we're thinking now we've just taken over the I Choose SA campaign as well um, oh, which which we're now thinking that that concept of eat local in 2012 was quite novel whereas we're very pleased that we it's not so novel anymore no it's not is it so i think we're going through an evolution mm. uh, coming up that we're going to look at how we how we bring i choose sa and uh, eat local sa together but that's certainly the history of, of eat local and it's done a great job again in in local cafes restaurants cellar doors etc wanting to have a local dish, at right. least one local dish on their menu. And, and what we find is that a lot of them have lots of them now. Yeah. Well, it certainly, I guess, made the chefs, owners, whoever really think about that yeah. aspect as well. Absolutely. And so to put the Eat Local sign up, which is a black sign with white writing, yep. um, do they need to be qualified or yeah, apply? Look, or... Yeah, we we, um, we ask them to submit their menus right. and those sorts of things and um, so that we, we do have a bit of a vetting process, but it's yeah. sort of a bit of an honesty system yeah. now as well. We, we kind of, we've moved on from being the police to sort of in, encouraging people to do the right thing. Yeah, and I'm sure most of them do anyway. And consumers do ask, yeah. you know, so if they get caught out, they get caught out. And also, when you have guests here from interstate or overseas, it it is um, you do feel quite proud showing off the local produce. Absolutely. So if Absolutely. you go somewhere with a sign, you think, okay, well this will this will be good. Yep. <laughs> well, it, that's what we hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, and um, I uh, hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Amanda. And that was Catherine Sayer, CEO of Food South Australia. I found that discussion really interesting and enlightening. I always like to know a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes in industry. So you can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button. And while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast app like iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. 
Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics that you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a ratings on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.